Hello, I'm Claire Bennett, host of the Original Thinkers podcast, where we take a deeper dive into what it takes to have an original thought, the impact of it, and how it endures over time. At a time when original thinking could not be more important, I'll be talking to some of our country's leading minds about their creative process and about how creativity can improve lives and make a meaningful difference. On today's episode, I speak with Fiona Leiter. Fiona is the principal behind Spence and Leiter, a Sydney retail showroom that seeks to showcase design that adds meaning to the living experience, pieces designed to stay in our lives for generations. She has a background as a production designer, art director, and she spent 20 years as a costume designer for film and TV before opening Spence and Leiter. Today on the Original Thinkers podcast, I'm speaking with the fabulous Fiona Leiter from Spence and Leiter in Sydney. Hello, Fiona. How lovely. Hello, Claire. Thank you. Nice to be here. Every time I catch up with you, Fiona, that is my thought. I think, oh, how fabulous that was whenever <laughs> I see you. So that's how I'm going to introduce you from now on, the fabulous Fiona Leiter. Excellent. Can you tell me a little bit first about your background? Because you've got a very interesting background that some people may not be aware of outside of specifically what you do at Spence Lighter. I started straight out of university going into the then burgeoning Australian film industry and worked in costume design for 20 years. I learned all sorts of great things. It was a fantastic time to be in the industry. It was really a cowboy by comparison to the way it is now, but enjoyable nonetheless. And so I ended up doing high-end music videos for the last part of it and living in Los Angeles in that period where it was huge rock and roll bands were touring the world and doing, you know, movies as their music clips. And so uh, I had a wonderful time during the sort of the 80s and 90s doing that. That would have been a very exciting time. Is there a particular music clip that you worked on that you loved that became sort of the most amazing? Well, one of the funniest times, and it, it comes to mind for me occasionally, we were shooting um, at Desert White Sands, which is at the bottom of Arizona, I believe, with a band called Boys to Men. And there was a scene where this kind of, you know, desert nymph that I dressed had to appear and they were singing and all of this, you know, ludicrous things that happen in music videos. And anyway, halfway through one of the scenes as the sun was coming up, because it's so hot there, we shot from like, you know, five in the morning till 10. The young lady was saying, there's something going on with this necklace that I'm wearing. I don't understand, but I feel like it's like burning me. And I'm going, oh, don't be ridiculous. And so off she goes and does some more and comes back and goes, no, really, this is really hurting me. And so I just suddenly had this kind of light bulb moment that I'd put this necklace on her that was crystal. And the crystal was taking the sun and focusing it in a tight little ball of light straight onto her skin. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, just so so I didn't mean to make you suffer for your art. We we quickly removed her and continued on, but you know. There are so many things that you just, yeah, you just never anticipate. So then that then led on to this passion for mid-century design being in Los Angeles, which led to then the opening of the first Spence and Lighter and this lifelong passion with the beauty in everyday objects, which you're so well known for. Tell me a little bit about your 
creative philosophy that you bring into the curation of what's inside Spence and Lighter. It's really interesting because it really tends to be more of a process, a, a sort of a visceral response to what we carry. I respond very, very significantly to stories. I believe that there is already so much on the planet that we don't really want to just build something and expect them to come. There needs to be a reason for things to exist, and it can be and should be obviously beauty. But it really should also carry with it the embodied elements of care for our planet, care for ourselves, and the stories behind why it's being built. Because otherwise, why do we need to have things in our life? So I think that that's really what has always driven Spence and Lighter and always driven me is a fascination for the why of the thing, not just the wow of the thing. And I think the critical thing about, as you say, having a story behind things is that when there's something in your home, if you really lend yourself to why is it there and only have things that are useful and beautiful, the things that carry an amazing story, they sometimes they're not the most beautiful thing, but they're beautiful to you because of the story that's associated with it, which I think then leads to sustainability because you don't throw those things out. You keep them because they've got meaning. Yes, absolutely. And they, they have meaning, but you can also have, I mean, I'm sitting here in the studio and I'm touching the solid wood surface in front of me. Congratulations, studio, for having a solid wood tabletop. But, you know, what that gives back, there's a tree in here and its life exists and it will continue to exist in its wood factor as well. And so I'm stroking this wood because it feels great. So you know, there's beauty, there's function, and then there are other things to do with it giving back, to do with the tactile, to do with, you know, all of those sorts of things. There's also the fact then, of course, that it's storing carbon, which is another really important job for it to be doing in our current times. Here, here. That leads in beautifully to your most recent collection that you had on exhibit at Melbourne Design Week, the Innate Collection, that you're going to now have in your stores. We launched Innate probably about three or four years ago with a small capsule collection. So Innate, for your listeners, is a collection that is a collaboration between myself and the very fabulous designer, John Goulder. And uh, we've just released uh, 2.0 or whatever the kind of the terminology is for, you know, releasing new sections. And those new pieces came about, interestingly, because of COVID. We found that we had some time, he and I, to be doing other things aside from me running a business and him running a business, clearly, and, you know, working with Snow Hatter and all of the things that he's currently doing. And so we had the time to isolate the next steps of things that we wanted to add into people's homes. Because Innate was developed to um, provide pieces that sat gently in interiors and didn't tap dance, didn't need to draw attention to themselves, but were beautiful in the simplicity of the materials and in the statement of the innate nature of what it was to be an Australian. And so for us, that was simplicity, a slightly larrikin edge, humble to certain levels and expressed through things like materiality of the Metal, which has been part of the Australian ethos forever. Things like wood, obviously, because it's our natural surrounding and we have these beautiful woods, so we want to be able to showcase them. Things like saddle leather, because horses and riding and all of those parts is 
part of the ongoing ethos of the Australian vernacular. And so that's why it was called innate, was really because we wanted to try and encapsulate innately Australian and what that meant. We've got a beautiful dining table, a new bedside, because you can never find a decent bedside. We've got a beautiful drawer and a lovely shelf to put books on and enough space to have your light and just simple things like that, sitting quietly and beautifully beside a bed. And a desk. God knows we've all come to the conclusion that a desk is about the single most important thing on the planet right now. Wonderful. And do you think that bit of free time was part of the catalyst for some original thinking? Having space. Absolutely. It's an essential part of it. And for me, I find that walking in nature. For me, that's one of the most feeding times that I can give myself. And so walking in nature is essential. That and swimming in the ocean. If I can give myself those things, then I have a chance to be able to listen to the planet and, um, and allow my mind to go where it wants to go in opposition to being told where to go. There's a quietness, isn't there, when you're in the ocean, when you're walking in nature, that allows your mind to wander. And being in Tasmania, obviously, we don't swim a lot in the ocean. Not at this no, time of year. No. <laughs> not, at, not without a very good wetsuit. But a lot of walking in nature, and I certainly find often that's when creative ideas strike. When I'm in the office and I'm working on them, you know, it feels like work and they don't come. But then it'll be when I go for the walk after work when all of a sudden I go, boom, that's what I've been searching for all day. You just needed the, the time. I'm a strong believer in that concept that there is an interconnectedness with us all. And I think that term zeitgeist is approximating that notion where you can tap up into thoughts that are moving through people that time to be able to sort of pull that inspiration down happens when there's not a lot else going on. I think that that's probably what meditation does, but I have been wholly unsuccessful in being able to keep myself still long enough to meditate, but I meditate when I'm walking and when I'm swimming. Mm, Absolutely, I'm the same. So why do you think original thinking is important? Probably because in its best format, it is pulling from the zeitgeist. It is taking the collective understanding that is developing, that people en masse are concluding, it's tapping into that and feeding a thought process that is not born of one's immediate knowledge or one's immediate surrounds or the problem at hand. I'm a designer and trained as a designer and we were really trained to conclude that design thinking allows us to solve pretty much anything as long as we give ourselves the information we need to be able to achieve that. But that in itself is a linear process that kind of slots in, you know, you're working towards the solution that is visual, and the visual generally comes from an innate aesthetic within oneself, a function, which is the process of the intellect, so you're understanding what you're trying to do with it. But those moments of real sort of inspiration come from somewhere else altogether. They can't be just pulled upon when you want them. It doesn't happen like that. And do you think to have an original thought 
there's an element of bravery involved. So as you're talking about, there's this collective sort of thinking and there are some norms that sort of start to form with this collective thinking about particular ideas. Do you think then to have an original thought that in any way deviates from the norm does take a little bit of bravery or something else perhaps? Well, I don't know that when I was talking about the zeitgeist that it's about the norm. I don't think that's what I'm alluding to. It's more like a collective intuition or vision. It's more about the sort of the upper level brain activity that is going on. Possibly it does require bravery, depending on what the solution is. Certainly confidence, confidence to be able to listen to one's intuition to listen to one's background thoughts, to listen to said zeitgeist and formulate a thought that actually is a good one and knowing it is, is a process, as I said, of, of, of learnt, becoming confident with the knowledge that the solutions that you come up with are good because of the background that you've had, of the collective information that you've had. You believe it, you tend to believe it more and, and give it more credence. And then... Do you think that original thinking then has the potential to change the world, improve lives, you know, influence change in the world? Well, look, interesting, there is no doubt that the answer is yes to that. But the original thinking comes in all forms. And creativity is not just a design-based activity. Creativity in maths is one of the most extraordinary things I've ever witnessed. And the concept of quantum physics is beyond comprehension for me who it's like a mystery (laughs) but for those people for those people who are into maths it's deeply creative thinking to allow them to not place one plus one equals two they have to go way beyond that basic concept so we need creative thinking you know in all forms of everything that we do and allow people to achieve that and we all know the sort of the, the terrible nature of what kind of just dead linear thinking does for us in terms of business, in terms of life, in terms of whatever. You have to be able to step sideways and see an alternate path. So to that end, do you have a creative process? So your training, there was obviously a fairly linear process in that design training of, you know, you gather the information and and you follow a bit of a path. The Fiona Lider of now, do you have a process or is it so part of your makeup that it's just part of you? Uh, uh, Yeah, I think that you hit right on it. I don't really have a process any longer. That intuition situation developed of many years of doing many things and being responsible for coming up with effective solutions means that I have learnt to trust my intuition pretty solidly and so allow myself to develop things entirely intuitively at this point. I mean, sometimes one has to look at a design and go, okay, what's missing? And that's, you know, that's the sort of process of intellect. But generally speaking, it's intuitive to the extreme annoyance of many people around me. (laughs) And so then, do you need to nurture that with, you mentioned earlier about, you know, having terrible trouble actually sitting down and meditating. I'm absolutely the same. That's never been any good for me. I can't sit still either. But do you then have to create space for it though, for the intuition and space for some thinking? Yeah, absolutely. And I have been, um, uh, well, alternately 
hopeless at achieving that, mainly because there has been way too much to do on any one given point in time. I tend to stack stuff on myself. But interestingly, I'm extremely efficient. Once again, I think learnt from the film industry, extremely efficient under stress. Stress is actually a galvanizer for me. I really quite enjoy it. That and challenge, challenge, you know, and change. Those things are really great jumping off points for me, and I don't fear them. And kind of thank God I wouldn't have survived Spencer Nider, I don't think, if I didn't, if I had a problem with all of those things. And once again, it's, it's a problem because the people around you haven't necessarily had the background that one's had, and so they may not embrace change quite as wholeheartedly as I do. So bringing people along for the ride is an ongoing theme in life. I think that's a really interesting thing that would be valuable for a lot of listeners, me included, is when you are incredibly busy and you have quite a stressful job at hand, and we know that making space to think creatively is important, but it doesn't need to be sit down for a day and go off and have a retreat. How do you foster it and maintain the pace? How do you make space for being creative when there's very little space available. No, you don't need to go off and do a retreat, although what a great idea that is. <laughs> <laughs> but I inevitably answer design solutions extremely rapidly. I solve problems extremely rapidly. I don't generally second guess myself. There are notable exceptions to that, but generally speaking, and that's that intuitive thing because I, I react. I react to a stimulus and trust that my solution to that stimulus, born of many years, is the right one. And if it's not, I'm fairly um, quick at understanding and then happy to go back and go, you know what, I don't think I got that right. Let's try this. Sorry, that was me drumming on said wooden table. Is there a bigger problem in the world that you're applying your talents to? I think we've touched on it. Already, I, th I think that there are um, way too many things in the world and too many companies who, you know, make their living off producing stuff and um, the planet doesn't need it. And so particularly stuff worth, you know, $3.50, it's just, there's just no reason why those things should exist and least of all the reason of just making someone a, a living in terms of a company that wants to produce it. I think that mass production has a lot to answer for. Getting people to greatly slow down on the consumption process and recognise that the things that they bring into their lives are important and want to keep them forever, as we discussed earlier, is, is the thing that I've been pretty much harping on for, you know, 25 years. And it was not very timely then, but it's extremely timely now. We really have to just stop because economists keep on trying to tell us that we can just keep on growing, but there is no way that growth can continue the way it has been going on. There is no way that the planet can keep providing. We have to take a very long, hard look at where we are and recognize that we've gone down the wrong path. And we need to shift, you know, to the left or right, anywhere but straight ahead. The climate is telling us that. Everything is telling us that. And it's just deeply unfortunate that we have 
governments around the world that are being paid huge amounts of money by corporations to keep doing what we're doing. We have to say no. That's not okay. We can't continue doing what we're doing. And individuals need to protest at the checkout. Stop buying. <laughs> Stop buying this $3 thing. Yeah, that's exactly right. The proliferation of $2 shops drives me insane because it's all just stuff we don't need. Yeah, we do have to uh, vote at the checkout, but we also need to vote literally. You know, we need to pay attention to politics and understand what those people actually mean and what that decision means to us. And we're at some pretty intense junctions right now when we look around at what's going on on the planet. And it's a time when the people really need to speak and not be silent. No, I completely agree, Fiona. Now, what is next for Spence and Lyda? Because we know there are going to be fabulous things coming. So the great things that are happening for Spencer Lyder is that I've recently sold the business to another great family-run company, Winnings, an appliance company that's done really terrific work in Sydney and around Australia. And so they have decided that everything for the home is something that they want to embrace as a totality, which is a really terrific idea. And so to that end, they purchased Roger Seller, the high-end bathroom people, a year ago, and recently Spencer and Lyda, so that we could actually bring the stories that we do, uh, the, the sort of the, I guess the ethos that is Spencer and Lyda into that wonderful concept of everything. And um, the first manifestation of that will be a lovely showroom in Melbourne that opens at the end of the year. And then there'll be a turnout throughout the ongoing winning showrooms throughout Australia where Spence and Lyda will manifest in those showrooms so that it's taking in the whole of the home. So it's very much watch this space because there's a huge growth there. So what then for Fiona Lyda? What will your role be or will it be different? Is there a new challenge ahead? Look, interestingly, I'm, I'm on board as creative director for um, X period of time, but the thing that's really most uh, important to me at this immediate juncture is that I need a very large holiday. And so I'm looking forward to the downtime that I haven't given myself for 25 years. And there's this gorgeous statement by um, Angela Merkel, and she was asked what she was going to do when she retired. I'm not comparing myself to her at all, but I loved the concept. And she said, well, I have a lovely chair by my window with a, a light behind it and I'll probably go and sit in my chair and I, I'll pick up a book and I'll read for a while because I do enjoy reading and then I'll probably fall asleep because I'm very tired and then I'll pop up somewhere in the future and that's kind of, I'm just sort of letting, letting the creative process come over me as to where but one of the things we did start during Melbourne Design Week was a lovely notion which is called Futures Collective. And so that will definitely be part of my future where um, Fiona Lynch, great Melbourne designer, and myself are developing a platform for young designers uh, so that we can help uh, mentor and nurture design in Australia accordingly. It's specifically aimed at designer makers because there's a lot of encouragement by companies to have designers, you know, do designs for them and they manufacture. But the new movement in design is really much more about designer making. And so allowing those young designers to put their hand to the tool and create the thing that they want to create. And so that'll be, it's certainly one of the parts of my future. 
Well, what a fabulous concept is sitting in a chair and reading a book and falling asleep. <laughs> I wish you the most fun doing that, but also we'll look forward to seeing what Spence and Lyder has to come in Melbourne and Futures Collective and whatever else is next for Fiona Lyder. But thank you so much for your time today. It has been a really, really interesting conversation. Anything else to add, Fiona, before we let you go? No, but thank you, Claire. Really uh, appreciate your time. Many thanks once again to Fiona for taking the time to speak with us. Make sure to check out the show notes at originalthinkers.com.au where you'll find further information and links to everything that we've talked about in today's show, including a video about the innate collection at Melbourne Design Week. Thanks also to the sponsors of this episode, Original Tasmanian Timber. Make sure to visit tasmaniantimber.com.au, the ultimate resource for architects, designers and anyone interested in local, sustainable and beautiful timbers. And Britain Timbers. Britain Timbers are timber experts specialising in delivery of timber for residential to large-scale commercial fit-outs. In addition to the highest quality products, they provide exceptional timber solutions to specifiers. Visit britaintimbers.com.au. And finally, thank you for joining me. Join me next time when I speak with Michelle Boyd. I think people are drawn to Tasmania and Tasmanian design. The designers here treat their materials as innately good already. Sustainability just comes very naturally to us living on the island. And I think people are drawn to that because we've been practising it a long time. And so we're now leaders, I guess, in sustainability. We're very good at it, just naturally. Naturally.